You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. The Lord Jesus Christ had just risen from the dead. And that same first Easter night, the disciples were gathered together in an upper room. They were afraid that the same thing was going to happen to them that happened to Jesus. And in a moment, Jesus was there in their midst. He didn't come through the door. He was just there. And Jesus gave to the disciples at that time a description of what the New Testament church was going to be in future days. And as he was talking to them, he said this. In the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, Then the same day at evening, the doors being shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. And he stood in their midst, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. Listen now. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And there you have it. Our commission for what we are to do in this world. Our subject today is intentional evangelism. In other words, let me describe it for you. Intentional evangelism means that our intention every day is to look for opportunities, both expected and unexpected, whereby we encounter people to whom we can be a witness for Jesus Christ, by our actions, and most assuredly, by our words. Now, I know that's a long definition. Let me give it to you again. Intentional evangelism means that every day as believers, our intention is to look for opportunities. And whether they're expected or unexpected, We encounter people and we seek to be a witness for Jesus Christ to them by our actions and by our words. That's the responsibility of intentional evangelism. That's the reason, Christian, why we are here. Now that may surprise some of you, You may say, you mean my occupation, my vocation, what I do in life is not the reason why I'm here? No, it's not. God has given you a vocation. He's given you work to do for the purpose of providing money so you can meet your obligations in life, so you can be about the purpose for which Jesus Christ has left you here upon this earth. May I say that again? 
God has given you a job. And the reason he's given you a job is so you can make money. So you can provide for your family. So you can pay your bills. So you can be about the real purpose for which Jesus Christ has left you here upon this earth. You see, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 uh, that we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, when we appear before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to ask us how many times we've read through the Bible. He's not going to ask us how many revival services we have attended. And he's not going to ask us how many church committees we've served on. But he is going to ask us how many people we talk to about our Savior, the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse 12 that we will all give an account of ourselves before God. Now, I have this picture. I don't know whether this is going to happen or not. But I have this picture that when I stand before the Lord Jesus and he asks me what I have done with his last words that he spoke just before he left this world. You remember what he said, Matthew chapter 28, 19, and 20? He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He asked me, what did I do in witnessing for him? I'm going to have the opportunity to point to those people that I have influenced with my testimony and with the word of God and to say to the Lord Jesus, Lord, I have proved my love for you, and here are the people that you've given me the opportunity to have a part in bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ, you, my Savior. How about that? We will all give an account of ourselves before the Lord Jesus Christ of what we have done since the time that we have been saved. What will it be like when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? What will you say to him? How will you exhibit your love for him? How will you show the responsibility of intentional evangelism when you stand before the Lord one day? Will there be people that you can point to and say, these are the people that I've spoken to about Jesus Christ. I wonder what that will be like. The Apostle Paul said in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19, for what is our joy or what is our crown of rejoicing? And then he looks at those people from the church at Thessalonica and he said, are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? I want to tell you the greatest reward that we will receive and the greatest testimony that we can have for our faith in Jesus Christ is to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Intentional evangelism. Now, I just want to say this to you this morning. Everything I've just said, you have heard from this pulpit countless times. Every person who has pastored this church has spoken these words many times. We who have pastored this church have 
spoken over and over and over again of our responsibility of witnessing for the Lord and winning people to Him. And this is the reason that we are here. But sadly, what has happened is time after time after time, the congregation has gotten up, walked out, and failed to apply what they have heard. Well, I don't want that to happen today. I want you to see what the Bible says about this, but not only see, I want you to experience today what it's like to intentionally speak to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to conduct funerals, and when I did, I did what many preachers I've heard do at memorial services. They told the people who were there, you need to be saved. But they never gave them a chance to do it. And they didn't realize that most of those people that were listening to them had no idea what they were supposed to do. Even if they wanted to, how do I do that? So I made a covenant with the Lord. And I said, God, by your help, from now on, every time I conduct a funeral, I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to preach the gospel, and then I'm going to ask those people if they would like to receive the Lord Jesus Christ right then. And I've done that for years now, and I don't count the people who I ask to look up at me if they have prayed that prayer. But I have a general idea of how many people have done that. And in the times that I have done that, I guesstimate that probably close to 2,000 people have made professions of faith in Jesus Christ during those memorial services. People who, if I just told them, you need to do this without telling them how and giving them an opportunity, they perhaps never would have done that. But because an opportunity was given, they made that profession of faith and prayed that sinner's prayer. Now, I want to do that for you folks this morning. I don't want to just tell you, you have a responsibility to witness for Jesus Christ. Because you know that. You've heard that over and over again. I want to illustrate to you today how you do that and give you some, of example, some examples of how that can be done. Now we've got the responsibility. We know what the Lord has said. This is why I've left you here. Many a preacher has said, Jesus told us he doesn't have plan B. He's only got plan A. And plan A is you and it's me. He has no other plan. And so if people are going to hear, they're going to hear because of us. We know that. But how do we do that? Because we feel so incapable, don't we? We feel like we can't do that. We can't talk. Nobody will listen to us. What if they laugh? What if they make fun? What if something happens that we really don't want to happen? I just don't know if I can do that. Well, before we look at some examples, let me give you some references. Would you take your Bible this morning? And would you open your Bible to the book of Romans? This is what we call the Romans Road. It has been used for years and years and years as the way to lead people 
to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you those references today. I want to do two things concerning those references. Number one, I want you to covenant with the Lord today that you will memorize these verses. There may be a time when there's an opportunity to witness for the Lord, and you just don't happen to have a copy of the Word of God with you. It's wonderful to know the verses and be able to say to that person, here's what God says about going to heaven. Would you promise God today, I'm going to memorize these verses. And then, not only memorize them, but take your Bible today and mark these verses. And here's how I want you to mark them. Turn to chapter 3 and look at verse 10. That verse says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. That means there's nobody that's perfect. Not the preacher, not the priest, not the rabbi, doesn't matter who it is. No one is perfect. God said, there is none righteous, no, not one. And then at the end of verse 10, take a pen and just small, right next to the end of the verse, write 323. Because that will indicate to you where the next verse is that you go to in witnessing to someone. Chapter 3 and verse 23. And if you look at Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, whenever I talk to somebody from this verse, I always say this. It's just like God puts a great big bullseye out in front of you on a target and he says here's a bow and arrow and I want you to take that bow and arrow and I want you to hit that bullseye and you take the bow and arrow and with all of your might you pull back that bowstring and you let that arrow go but every time you shoot it it comes up short you see well, that's what the word sin means to come up short and so the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't reach that perfection that's necessary to achieve the favor of God. And so Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Now after Romans 3.23, you write 5.8. Because that's the next verse you go to. Romans 5, 8. And Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Oh, listen, we miss the mark every time we try to achieve what God wants us to do. We miss the mark. But God, who is rich in love, commends his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Jesus Christ came and died for us. I always tell people, we've all heard the story of Jesus dying on the cross. Well, the reason he did that is because he knew that if you and I were ever to go to heaven, 
we couldn't bring our sin along with us. We're all sinners. And our sin would corrupt that holy place called heaven. And so God provides for us what we couldn't provide for ourselves. And what he did, he sent Jesus Christ in a completely supernatural way. The virgin birth doesn't have any sin. And he lived a perfect life on this earth, and he went to the cross of Calvary, and he shed his blood, and when he did, he was able to take care of the sin of the whole world. Isn't that wonderful? But God commended his love for us in order that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Then after 5.8, you write 6.23. 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. I don't know how many people I've talked to and they thought if they did their best and if they were sincere, and if they work just as hard as they could, they're going to get to heaven. If their good works outweighed their bad works, they were going to make it. But the Bible says for the wages of sin, the payment we get because we're all sinners is death. And that death that is spoken of there is eternal death because it's contrasted with the end of the verse that says... But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's just like God says, I've got a hundred dollar bill for you. If I had a hundred dollar bill to give to you and I put it in my Bible and I closed my Bible, you'd have to take my Bible and open it up to get the hundred dollar bill out. God says, I've got a gift for you. And it's everlasting life, but it's through Jesus Christ. If you're going to get everlasting life, you're going to have to take Jesus Christ. Because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And after 623, you write 10, 9 through 10. Those verses say that if thou shalt confess with your mouth... You believe that Jesus Christ is all he claims to be. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? That means that you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Why? Because all the other religious leaders who have come along and made all kinds of claims, they died and they're still in the grave. There's only one that God placed his divine stamp of approval upon, and that's Jesus Christ, and he raised him from the dead. Thou shalt believe with thine heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then I always say to that person, you know, will you believe what God says in his word? And when they say, yes, I believe what God says, we go to verse 13. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The promise of God. And I ask that person, would you like to receive Jesus Christ 
as your Savior right now. And when they say, yes, I believe I would, we have a word of prayer. And I said, would you like to pray right after me? And if you mean what you say, pray this prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. And today I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Very simple. Easy to understand. And that person comes to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I want to tell you something. You can do that. You can do that. You say, I don't know. Yeah, you can. Try it. Take your Bible and go over it in front of the mirror. Lead the mirror to Jesus. You can do it. And the more you practice, the more effective you will become. You say, how do you learn to be a soul winner? The only thing I know is you practice, you practice, and you practice. <coughs> and you go over with as many people as you can this wondrous plan of salvation. Well, I don't think anybody will listen to me. Listen, when you tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, your responsibility ends. God never told you that you have to save anybody. You can't save anybody. Jesus said in John chapter 3, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I want to tell you, friend, you do the witnessing and God does the saving. That's how it works. It's easy. It's one of the most simple things we can do. And you can do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, we know the responsibility. We know the references. Let's do some rehearsing. Okay? The rehearsal for intentional evangelism. Where can you do it? Well, number one, you can do it in the workplace. This is my workplace. This is my office. This is my chair. Came right out of my office. And I want you people over there to be able to see too. So I'm going to come right out here. And oftentimes in my office, I have people who come in. They want to talk. Now, when I say you can witness in the workplace, I want to caution you. Do not look at your workplace as an open mission field. You have a responsibility to your employer. For eight hours a day, he's paying you. And therefore, whatever your job is at the workplace, you need to be busy doing that job for the time that you are accountable for. Don't be witnessing to somebody about the Lord when you're supposed to be doing your job. That's a bad testimony. <coughs> 
So when you show up for work a little bit early, or maybe after work is over, maybe at lunchtime, you can sit down with someone and you can talk to them about the Lord. A couple of, well, about a week and a half ago, I had the opportunity to conduct the memorial service for one of my dear friends, Doug Davis. And I enjoyed that service. We talked a lot about Doug's life. But I think the best part of that service, <coughs> excuse me, was when a fellow who was sitting right down here in the front, his name was Jay Roller. Anybody know Jay Roller? Some of you do. Jay Roller gave a testimony, and he said that. I said this, yeah, give me that, please. Oh, you can't, can you? You're all wired up. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me just a second. <clears throat> Jay Roller said, he and Doug Davis worked at Ford <coughs> for many years, and one afternoon, Doug invited him to a revival service we were having here at the Baptist Temple. And Jay said, he told Doug, he said, well, tell you what, I'll come Friday night, but I'm not going Saturday night, because Saturday night I'm going to the dance hall. And so Jay said he came Friday night, and guess what? He got saved. He said, Saturday night I was back in church. And he said for 52 years, he had been pastoring a Baptist church up in Elyria, Ohio. Isn't that something? Doug was a witness for Jesus Christ to a fellow worker and when he witnessed for Jesus and invited that man to come, God dramatically and supernaturally saved him and called him to the ministry, and he preached the Word of God for 52 years. I want to tell you, one day when Doug Davis stands before the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to have a part in everything that was done in Jay Roller's ministry over 52 years. What a testimony! He witnessed at the workplace. Quite often, I sit in my office, somebody will come in, and they'll want to talk about a problem they're having in their life. And so I just talk with them. I have found that usually when someone has a problem, the problem is just on the surface. That's not really the reason why they're having difficulty. And so we'll talk a little bit, and then I'll ask them, how's your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your personal Savior? And oftentimes they will say, you know, I've never really asked him to be my Savior. And we have the wonderful privilege of going through the Romans Road, praying together and seeing that person born again into the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, wherever you work, there are people who need Jesus Christ as their personal Savior.
And I challenge you to talk with them when you have that opportunity and just talk to them about God's simple plan of salvation. Well, you can witness at the workplace or you can witness in your home. Over here at the dinner table, oftentimes we talk to people over the dinner table. I'll never forget the first couple that we invited to our home. We lived in a trailer down south of Columbus, Ohio, <coughs> and uh, we invited a young couple to come over, and it was Christmas time. And uh, when, when the couple came, uh, they came in, and my wife had candles all over the trailer. We had the lights out, the candles were on, and the young couple walked in, and they kind of wondered what was going on. And my wife, who was very shy, came up with a wonderful, wonderful thing to say. But they were looking around and wondering what was going on and how they got in this situation. My wife said this. She said, oh, I'm Catholic, and I go to his church, and he lets me have my candles. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Now, that's something you'd never expect my wife to say. But we had a great dinner with them, and we had the opportunity to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, through what's called friendship evangelism, you can invite people into your home, and you can talk with them about the Lord. And you can find out many things about their life, and you can have an opportunity to tell them how Jesus Christ loves them. Now, friendship evangelism is very, very good. The only problem is don't wait too long because you don't know what's going to happen to those people. And so make friends, but make sure you talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do it at the workplace. You can do it at home. Or you can do it in your leisure time. We have, over the years, in our Sunday school class years ago, done many different things. We used to have a, a place out at the Allen County Fair, right outside the gospel singing tent. And when we first started, we handed out tracts. Do you know people didn't read them? We found them all over the fairgrounds, had to pick them up. We found them in the trash barrel. And so we became innovative. And we started handing out wordless book bracelets. And we'd put different color little rings on this bracelet. And then we'd give out a paper that said what the colors represented. And those became so popular that in Sunday school on Sunday, I taught the lesson and people sat there at tables and made more bracelets. We gave out Ohio State football schedules. We were thinking about Alabama, but nah. But anyhow, we gave out <laughs> Ohio State football schedules. And on one side, we had the Ohio State football schedule. And on the other side, we had God's schedule of eternal life. And we had those verses from the Romans Road on them. It was very popular. We gave out over 5,000 of those, and we didn't find any of them laying around. We had a float in the Memorial Day Parade years ago. 
And what we did is we handed out little bottles of juice. We had a little tag on the top. It said, you look too thirsty to pass by today. And so we gave them a bottle of juice and had some scripture on it. We gave out 8,000 of them that day, and we ran out before we got to the end of the parade route. And I thought, man, that went so good, we're going to do it again next year. And so next year, I ordered 10,000 bottles of juice. And for the first time in the history of the Allen County Fair on Memorial Day, it got rained out. <laughs> I was stuck with 10,000 bottles of juice. We used them for everything, for Bible school. We gave them out any time we had to have a drink or something like that. I even suggested we use the grape ones for communion, but I couldn't get that by the deacons. <laughs> so by the end of the year, we gave them all out. But here's a way you can become innovative. You can become original. Do something to witness for Jesus Christ by your leisure time, what you do in your leisure time. Now, some of you know that I love golf. And, and so, this is the first time, I think, in 37 years that I've preached on Sunday morning without a tie. But you can't play golf with a tie on. I've done all kinds of things on the golf course. I've made up tees, I've had tees printed, and on the tee I've put John 14, 6, and I leave them all over the course for people to pick up. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. I've ordered these books, and I've handed out probably hundreds of them, and I say to people, I've discovered something that's almost impossible. And they say, what's that? And I say, God plays golf. They say, what? I said, yeah, here's a book. I want you to read it. God plays golf. And guess what? He gives mulligans. People take the book. and They read it. I told a couple of guys down in Myrtle Beach one time, I said, I've got something for you to read. And they went, oh, oh, good, good. And they thought it was something kind of shady. They went back to their cart and they found these and came back and apologized. <laughs> God plays golf. I don't think this has ever been done. I have only one thing to say before I hit this golf ball. Four duck. Anybody get it? You can do all kinds of things on the golf course. Watch out. Oh, there we go. How about over here? Wow. Watch out, Lori. This one's coming right to you. 
you get it? Lawsuit, Pastor. One more. Oh, they caught it. All right. You can do anything to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, you just never know who you might encounter, who might walk by you completely unexpected, and you have an opportunity to witness to them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Looky here. This is Jim. Some of you know Jim, some of you don't. And uh, Jim, you know, you and I have talked about the weather. We've talked about sports. We've talked about politics. We've talked about all kinds of things. But you know, there's something I've never talked to you about. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationship to him. You mind if we do that today? Come on over here. I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to talk to you for just a minute about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you've probably been to our church, haven't you? You've, you've listened to our pastor. Yeah. I'm here to tell you. Yeah. Talk funny. <laughs> Do you hear him? You forgot your microphone. That's okay. That's all right. What'd you say about our pastor? I said, and I'm here to tell you, he talks funny. He talks funny. Yeah, I know he does. Yeah. But here, let me just talk to you for a minute about what the Bible says. The Bible says in chapter 3 of Romans, and, and verse 10, it says, For there is no, no, none righteous, no, not one. That means that everybody, doesn't matter who they are, is a sinner. They're not perfect. But the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means if we had a bow and arrow and we tried to hit a target that God put out in front of us, we couldn't hit that target because every time the arrow would come up short. But the Bible says this, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. In other words, the reason Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood was so that you and I could enter into heaven because we couldn't take our sin with us. Then the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. See, you can't work your way to heaven. It's all by the grace of God. He gives his salvation to us as a free gift. Then the Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he's the only way to heaven, you will be saved. For with your mouth you confess unto righteousness and with your heart you believe that Jesus Christ is all that he claims to be. Now the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now Jim, do you think today you'd like to do what God says is necessary for you to go to heaven? I think I would. Well, then I want to pray a prayer with you. What I want to do is I'm going to pray, and if you really mean what you say with all of your heart,
You pray that prayer along with me, would you? I will. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner. Dear Lord, I know that I am a sinner. And today, I pray that you would forgive me for my sin. And today, I pray that you will forgive me for my sins. And today, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And today, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Jim, you just made the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. What I'm going to do is, in a couple of days, I'm going to be following up with you, and we'll talk more about what God can do for your life and how you can live for Him every day. Amen. Jim, I appreciate your decision today, you, and we'll be praying for you. Amen. Let me tell you, there's no greater joy that comes into a family than for a new baby to be born. Everybody wants to come and see that new child. And the same is true in the family of God. There is no greater joy than to see someone come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The songwriter said, when a sinner makes the Lord his choice, that's when the angels rejoice. You and I have a responsibility. We have the references. All we need to do is rehearse. Practice telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God brings the opportunity to us, just simply use those verses that we have marked in our Bible or we have committed to our memory and you will experience, I guarantee you, the greatest joy that you will ever experience in your life. And when one day you stand before Jesus Christ, you'll be glad you took that responsibility and you memorized those verses and you practiced and practiced and God used you to lead other people to the Savior. Do all you can to become an intentional evangelist. You'll be glad you did. Now, Lord, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you might bless it to our hearts and to our lives, and we pray, Lord, that you just might use what we've discussed today to bring honor, to bring praise to you. May we not just hear the word of God, but may we apply it. May we learn scripture. And Lord, I pray that we might be effective in leading other people to Jesus Christ. Help us today to dedicate ourselves to you to be those people who will practice intentional evangelism. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.